good morning and welcome again to Overlay. Grab a seat. My name's Phil. I'm one of the pastors on the team here. And um, before we go any further, let me just say that I am starkly aware of the irony that I, the guy from the now less united kingdom, was asked to teach this morning, the day before the July 4th holiday. But we're, gonna, we're just going to breeze past it. We're going to acknowledge it and then just move on. It's going to be fine. I lead our teams that work with children here at Overlake um, from infants all the way through to fifth grade. And through all our programs in Kidtown, our preschool, childcare, and our ministry programs, we strive to help families raise kids that love God, love people, and serve the world. And we do that in a variety of different ways. This morning, I invited our upper elementary kids, our grades three, four, and five, to join us here in big church because I do believe there's a great value for them to see you worship and to experience the, the body of Christ, the body of the church here in, in this space. Um, it is a privilege to share some thoughts with you this morning. It's a little disconcerting because adults listen, which I'm not really used to, but it's fine. Um, and we're starting this summer series this morning called um, The Best Sermon Ever. And let me just reiterate what Mike said. This is not a prophetic statement of what I am going to share with you this morning. It refers to the passage of Scripture that we'll be diving into over the next eight weeks. We're just going to start, start this morning. So I just want us to make sure we're on the same page, expectation-wise. Before we go any further, it's commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. It is the most famous, most talked-about sermon ever given in any genre or category, and it was Jesus' first message. He's preaching it after that temptation in the desert. He began his ministry with the miracle at the wedding in Cana, and then he leaves Nazareth. He's lived in Capernaum on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. It's here that he calls um, Peter, Andrew, James, and John to be his disciples to follow him. And for a while, Jesus preaches there, and he does many miracles, and great numbers of people hear about him and, and start to follow him. And it's at this point we pick up the story. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, which, in my opinion, should be credited as one of Jesus' miracles, because the fact that he was able to get people to gather and listen without a lengthy prologue of one, two, three, eyes on me, is something that I have never achieved in my entire career of children's ministry. Now, the mountain is by the Sea of Galilee. On the north and west side, there's these rolling hills that slope down to the sea. It creates this perfect amphitheater to speak to large groups of people. So he's speaking to this, this crowd, we think, and, and his disciples are there too. And it's at this place that he gives the best sermon ever. And as I say, we're going to dive into just that first part this morning. And he begins with what we often refer to as the Beatitudes, which are eight statements of godly living. They're not a means for salvation, but the way for righteous living. And they are as applicable today as they were when they were first given 2,000 years ago. Now, each of these Beatitudes, these statements, begins with blessed are the. And the word blessed, basically, in its most simple form, means happy. So in a way, this passage can be viewed as a recipe for happiness, one that will look very different from what the world would prescribe us. Tomorrow is July 4th, and for many of us, happiness will be firing up the barbecue, enjoying time with family and friends, grilling up great food, which actually is probably why I was asked to speak this weekend, because everyone else is already celebrating. 
Maybe it's a coincidence, but every major holiday weekend, I seem to be asked to speak. <laughs> you may have noticed that New Year's Day, this coming New Year's Day, is a Sunday. <laughs> it's going to be good times. Now, I truly believe this, that happiness comes in the form of a really good hamburger. That smell, that right-off-the-grill flavor, and the fixings, that endless array of options so you can tailor-make your burger to your mood or to suit the weather or whatever it is. So to help us remember and go through the Beatitudes this morning, I want us to think about a hamburger. Bear with me. It'll make sense, I promise. Um, but to help me, um, Sam is going to come and give me a hand. She is our sous chef. Come on up. Careful. There's many steps. Excellent. Great. And you can just stand next to the barbecue. Keep going. Wonderful. And now we're going to face the nice people, just like we should have practiced but didn't. Excellent. 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 And uh, let me just get things ready here. I've got an apron for you because, you know, we're... <laughs> it's red, white, and blue. It's fine. Wow, tough crowd, right? Yeah, yikes. Let me just tie this on here. Okay, excellent, excellent. That's good. What's that? It's okay. You can ask your dad what it is. It's fine. You just need to know it's funny. That's all. That's all you need to know. Let's put a pair of gloves on, because, you know, we bought them. So use them. And this one, uh-oh. Excellent. Now, you're going to do this okay. for like the next 10 minutes. Okay. okay. Great. I'm going to give you, oh, I'm going to give you this guy. Oh, look at that. You're like a natural. Have you done this before? Oh, you haven't? Oh, weird. All right. So this is where we're going to begin. When you're building a winning hamburger, you start with the bottom of the bun, which is here somewhere. Okay. Bottom of the bun. Okay. Nice and still. Without the bottom of the bun, the burger has no foundation, it can easily fall apart, it will be a complete mess. If you're gluten-free, I, I don't know, I don't know how that works. <laughs> Some kind of rice cake or something, I don't know. Anyway, um, the Beatitudes are very, very similar. The first Beatitude in verse 3 is this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And these are on your outline, if you want to follow along and fill in those gaps, you can. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is foundational for what is to come. We are poor in spirit when we realize that we have separated ourselves from God because of our own sin. And once we accept Jesus as our Savior, then we have eternal life. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, is the very foundation of our faith. Next on our Beatitude burger is the meat. Now, never underestimate quality meat. So that's our quality meat right there. And uh, verse 4 says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Once we realize we sin, that we constantly turn from God, we need to take that seriously. Jesus is telling us that happiness comes to those who mourn their sin, who ask for forgiveness. Those people will be comforted. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Being meek does not mean being weak. 
Being meek means a person recognizes that he is not in charge of his own life, but that God is. Being meek means you trust God totally to be who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. Remember what happened to the earth when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. The ground was cursed. It was lost. But the meek will inherit the earth. Think about how wonderful heaven will be. It won't be cursed. Rather, it will be restored. So blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, which this morning we're going to represent using a slice of cheese. It's not a direct parallel, you understand. It's just an idea. There we go, let's just put that on there. Perfect, too much cheese. Next, we'll add some bacon, because if you don't add bacon, your burger is seriously under-blessed. So let's add that on there. Oh, amen. It's good. Blessed are those, appropriately in verse 6, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The more you hunger and thirst for Jesus, the more righteous you will become. God doesn't hide. He wants to be with you. He wants to be involved in your life. He wants to fill you. So blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. They will be satisfied. And the more we learn about Jesus, the more compassionate we become. We become quick to extend mercy and kindness and to give second chances. If you want to receive mercy, then be sure to give it to others. So verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Or in this case, tomato, the most merciful of, of all the fruits. <laughs> Put that on there. Number nine. Oh, sorry, I jumped one. As we learn more about Jesus, as we seek after him, we begin to think differently and we begin to change our actions. God will cleanse our heart. And that's what sanctification means. Allowing God to clean your heart and your motives, your thoughts, your actions, your words, everything about who you are. And it's a slow process usually. But if we allow God to show us the sins we need to get rid of, then we will see him. One day, we'll see him face to face. But even now on earth, God reveals himself to people in many ways. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's add another layer. How you doing? You doing okay? Do your hands hurt? That just means it's working. <laughs> we're, we're almost there. Hang in there. Number nine, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Being a peacemaker means you try to not cause strife or be a part of trouble and unrest. We must make peace with God, and we, we do that by asking for forgiveness, and we must make peace with each other, and we do that in the same way. We ask for forgiveness. If we mess up, we own it. We make peace. The more we make peace, the more we begin to look like Jesus to others, like father, like son, or daughter. Therefore, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We have just one more to go, okay? Can you do it? Okay, good. You're doing so good. The final touch to our burger, the finishing piece that, that caps it all off, is that top bun. And in our Beatitudes, verse 10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Now, it doesn't sound quite right to say happy are those who are persecuted, but, but that's what Jesus is saying. Happy are those who were, who are right now, and who will be persecuted for righteousness' sake. Jesus himself was persecuted. They, they tricked him, they beat him, they had him whipped, nailed to a cross, and left for dead, and he did nothing wrong. Jesus was persecuted, and he tells us over and over again in Scripture to be ready. If we're going to follow him, we must carry our cross. We will be persecuted if we choose to be like him. If we choose to be righteous like Jesus, we will be radically different from the world. But we have that hope to be with Jesus after we die. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus ends the way he began, just like the bun around the burger. It starts and finishes the same. He didn't just run out of endings and double up. He's saying that everything in between is connected. Every ingredient in the burger adds another layer of flavor. The combination of it all yields amazing results. So tomorrow, as you fire up your grill, hopefully I've given you a simple way to remember these, these eight Beatitudes. Can we thank Sam for standing so still this whole time? Let me get that apron from you. Hang on a second. Excellent. Perfect. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Let me just close all this up. All right. There is a progression to these blessings. You see, our starting point in the kingdom is recognizing our spiritual poverty, recognizing that we're poor in spirit, bankrupt, basically, before God. And we're brought to this realization by the prompting and conviction of the Holy Spirit. And as we realize our poverty, we mourn for our sins, verse 4, for our situation, and God promises comfort in our distress, the forgiveness of those sins. Having our sins forgiven, we're not confident in ourselves, but rather meek, humble, and promise the blessing of inheriting the earth, verse 5. As God begins to work in, the lives, in our lives to change us, we begin to desire those things that God desires, in verse 6, to hunger and thirst for righteousness as we seek to crucify our sinful desires and live in a way that pleases God. Again, we're promised this blessing of being filled. And when we marvel at the grace of God in our lives, we begin to be merciful towards others, verse 7, acting toward them in a way that God has acted towards us, thus being sure of God's blessing in our lives. And as we turn from sin, our hearts are purified and made new. And we are blessed in the knowledge that we'll see God, that we'll be with Him in eternity, verse 8. We'll display a family likeness as we seek peace and make peace, verse 9. And then in verse 10, even when persecuted, that happiness, that joy, that blessedness cannot be removed because we know that the kingdom of heaven is ours. Jesus is declaring God's blessing on those who follow in his way, who recognize Jesus as king. His words encourage us to keep going when the way is hard, when meekness and mercy are seen as weaknesses, when we're tempted to give in, so I hope you hear the blessings that you've received, hear the approval that is yours in Christ, and that you look for that joy that is surely yours, whatever your circumstance or struggles. And then Jesus continues to describe how these blessings change us, what it looks like. In verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. 
You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. One thing is sure. God's blessing in our lives will be noticeable. The joy will be evident to all. We can build the perfect burger, but if we leave it on that plate, as wonderful as it is, it won't be used for the purpose that it was intended and created for. God blesses us so that we, in turn, can be a blessing to others and make a difference to those around us. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. Jesus describes his disciples as salt and light. The effect of salt is obvious. It enhances flavor. It preserves. We miss it when it's gone. In fact, it is is a mineral vital to our body's survival. And in the same way that a town positioned on a hill cannot be hidden, those around us will see our lives and spot that we are somehow different. In this world's lifelong pursuit of happiness, which never really satisfies, we have the answer, a joy that naturally overflows, a testimony to the blessings of Christ and the glory of God. That last verse again, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And this may look different for for everyone, and God uses each of us differently according to our gifts and experiences and passions. So I wanted to invite some friends up to talk about how they found a way to respond to God's blessings, to try and be salt and light here at Overlake. So would you welcome Dave and Brooke Tingle uh, to join me? Coming up, we've chosen some nice stools to perch on. Our instructions were, do not fall off the stage. (laughs) Apparently, we we needed to be told, so that's great. Um, Why don't you start off by just introducing yourselves and your family and kind of how you came to Overlake and are now on stage. Uh, I'm Dave Tingle. I'm Brooke. And uh, we've been coming to OCC now for four and a half, five years or so. And um, we have three kids. We have Brad, who is 11, Brenna, who is 10, and Bethany, 6. And uh, when we were looking for a church, they were coming to school age, we knew we wanted a church that was going to have a good kid program, a program that would help our kids grow spiritually and have fun doing it. And so um, we had looked into OCC and we found Kid Town. Like, this, this fits the bill. This is what we're looking for. Perfect. And you've now served in Kid Town for a little while. So why don't you tell us kind of how you jumped in and got involved and, and that kind of thing? Um, I think it's been not quite two years for me. Um, We were looking for a place to get better connected with our church community as well as a place where we could serve. And honestly, trying to figure out how that fit into our daily lives with three kids, we kind of joke we've mastered the rolling stop, get out of my car, jump in dad's, and and that's really what the week looks like for us with three kids. So maybe that was a little bit of an excuse because we have Sunday, we're here, and, and we knew we could plug in on a Sunday. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Um, I uh, volunteered because she volunteered me. Uh, I was uh, <laughs> brought the kids home one day, and she came home after church and said, hey, um, just so you know, next week you're going to be working at Kid Town with me. I was like, 
Yay! <laughs> Great! That's marvelous. Um, but it's it's actually been a really cool experience. Um, Brooke and I really enjoy it, and you know, seeing these little kids and helping them grow, hopefully in Christ, and getting to know other people, their parents, other leaders such as yourself. It's it's been a very very cool experience overall in that respect. Well, the Lord speaks through my wife too, so <laughs> I understand. It does glorious things, doesn't it? <laughs> well. <laughs> However you jumped in, how, what keeps you going? What keeps you coming back week after week? We have Kid Town programs pretty much every Sunday. I mean, even right now, we, the older kids are with us, but the nursery right through is, is still going. So what keeps you coming back every week for more? Well, I think the first thing is the kids. You quickly begin to develop relationships with the kids, and over time you develop relationships with their parents too. And um, we both look really forward to seeing them, hearing how they're going, you know, how things are going. Um, I started with a group of first graders and then moved to second and now have moved up to the gym with them. So you kind of see how they're changing and I, and I enjoy that. Um, we were talking about this too. One of the things for us is we really wanted to model what serving was like for our kids instead of us just saying, oh, we should do this. Um, what does that look like? Our, our kids know um, that this is important to us. Our kids kind of hold us accountable to it too, um, which is something I neglected to mention before. But um, if there ever happens to be an opportunity where we're not here on a Sunday, um, they want to know why. Um, and, and so it keeps, it keeps us accountable. I'd like to tell you that every morning when we get up, it's this glorious morning and our kids are like, yes, I can't wait to brush my teeth and get my clothes on and I'll meet you in the car in 10 minutes. Um, it doesn't look like that at all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, there may have even been an occasion or two where we went and pulled a child out one morning and said, let's start over. <laughs> but it would be easy for us to use, as a, use that as an excuse. Um, it's too rough. You know, we're, we're just going to sit this Sunday out. No, we want to make, we're committed and we want to show that commitment and we want to be here. Yeah, awesome. And, and the idea, Brooke, Brooke touched on it, was the idea of servitude and, and teaching our kids the idea of servitude and being important to be servants. You know, we, 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 we really have utilized Kid Town for our three kids. We, we've, we've gotten a lot out of it, and they've gotten a lot out of it, and, it, and it's really time for us to give back is how we look at it. And, again, it's a great opportunity, and it's an opportunity for us to be together and, and an opportunity where we wouldn't have otherwise to teach together. And we, we love it. It's a great opportunity for us, and um, it's, it's a chance to give something back. Uh, where, where we have utilized the program, it's our chance to give something back now. Awesome. Well, we take this moment to encourage you to keep going, to keep modeling that to our kids She'll here and your own kids. She will volunteer keep volunteering, more, right? people. It's perfect. And um, thank you for what you do for Kid Town, week in, week out. Your dedication is huge. So thank you. And Dave and Brooke aren't alone. We have. Um, an incredible team of leaders just like them that serve in, in Kidstown week after week. And many of you that have, have stepped in to serve over the summer when we're a few leaders down here and there from vacations and stuff. And we are so grateful for the, the value that Overlake places on ministering to young people. But Jesus isn't asking us to become Bible scholars or even great teachers. He's not asking us to know all the answers to every theological question we can come up with. He's, he's asking us to show up to stand out, to be different, and to make a difference in your family, in your neighborhood, here at Overlake. Regardless of who you are serving, honestly, the biggest impact comes from simply showing up for people, for being there for them, for investing in them, believing in them, and cheering them on. Now, 
staying with our food analogy this morning, apparently food is really important to me. Um, I didn't realize until today. But a few years ago, I was interning at a church in, in California. And we were working long hours. It was late. We were leaving the office. I think it was dark out. And at the time, I was driving a, a 1995 Toyota Tercel that was mostly in bottle green, but most of the other half was kind of in that weird white rust color that, that they do in, in Orange County. So has those hand crank windows. The air conditioning worked occasionally, that kind of thing. And I was heading home, but I wanted to grab a bite before, before getting home. Now, anyone who knows me will confirm this, that I have a weird thing about food at restaurants. I feel guilty if two people order the same menu item, because my heart hurts for the menu items that just weren't given a chance. <laughs> they weren't able to fulfill their menu destiny, and it hurts my heart. It's a serious problem. It makes no sense, but it's real. And in addition to this worldview that I have, I also feel that it is important, no, I believe it is our duty to be loyal to only one fast food chain. You cannot frequent both Del Taco and Taco Bell. You must choose the dark side or the light. Choose you must. My loyalty at this time was fierce for Taco Bell. Since moving to Washington, I switched over to Taco Time because, yeah, tater tots, so. <laughs> Seemed obvious. Anyway, so we're in, we're in California. We're heading to Taco Bell, and I get to the drive-thru. I crank down the window, and I, you have to lean up and out in Orange County because the Tercel's the down here, and it's built for an SUV. So I'm kind of out here trying to get to the speaker in this weird kind of, kind of the seatbelt's cutting off my windpipe, that kind of thing. And I order a Crunchwrap Supreme. Now, if you do not know what a Crunchwrap Supreme is, it is basically a discus of deliciousness. <laughs> it's about the best description I can come up with. It is it's just incredible. It's, it's another blessing from the Lord. So imagine my disappointment when through that crackly speaker that I'm, I'm trying to listen to, they say, just to let you know, sir, we don't have any tortillas this evening. I'm a little taken aback. No tortillas at Taco Bell. <laughs> tortillas do seem to feature fairly prominently in a Crunchwrap Supreme. So I'm, I'm stunned is maybe a better word. And they say, well, sir, would you like to continue with the order or would you like to order something else? Well, what else do you have? <laughs> well, pretty much everything, just no tortillas. So now I'm going through my mind of all these menu items I can think of at, at Taco Bell that I can remember because now the menu is six feet behind me because I'm at a drive-through. And I'm saying, what doesn't include tortillas? And so I drive away with an iced tea, because <laughs> what else do you do? Taco Bell without tortillas makes no sense. It's like Starbucks without the coffee, or the beach without sand, or Seattle without rain, or Great Britain without the EU. <laughs> Too soon? Maybe not soon enough. You see, at Taco Bell, 
The tortilla is the delivery system. Without it, there's no easy way, at least, to enjoy the goodness and deliciousness that Taco Bell has to offer. And sometimes I feel like that is what the church can be like. We are the chosen delivery system of salt and light. We have so much goodness to offer, such great news to share with others, and so many ways to serve and minister to them. We can help restore confidence, strengthen self-image, give purpose and focus, support, encouragement, and above all, we can give the hope that Jesus offers. But we need a delivery system. We need people willing to be a light willing to deliver that message, willing to be who God has called them to be in the lives of others. Driving away from a Taco Bell empty-handed is, is no big deal. Leaving this place empty-handed is a big deal. We are all called to make a difference and to shine a light and serve those around us. And the challenge I, I want to leave us with is how can I be a blessing? If we're blessed to bless others, how can I be a blessing? What could I do? As we strive to live according to Jesus' recipe for happiness and receive God's blessing on our lives, who can you be a blessing to? Where can you serve? Who can you serve? Who will you show up for? How will you use the blessings that God has given you, and how will you shine a light for Him? We would love to add to our Kid Town team. As our church family continues to grow, so does the need. And I really believe there is no better way to be salt and light than to show kids who Jesus is. Of course, I'm going to say that. I'm very biased. But I truly believe it. And your, your place, your shape might not be Kid Town. It might not be student ministries. You, you might be well-shaped to minister to refugees or serve with safe parking or on our counseling or on our prayer, prayer teams or welcome teams. However God has gifted and shaped you, He has done so for a reason. And there is a place for you to use those gifts to be a blessing to others. God calls us to follow Him and calls us to serve His kingdom and serve His world. And as we respond to that call, together we can see real, real change. Let me pray. Father, we thank You for the great blessings that You give us, for the great things You give us, the great promises that You make. And we ask that you surround us with your love and your care and your protection and fill us with your courage and your strength so we can be a light for you, that we can shine your love and your hope to those around us. Father, show us those opportunities and give us the strength to meet them. Amen. Mm -hmm.